people of God in Christ, if you notice from the bulletin, the title of this sermon is Time to Repent. And uh, be it known that this title is intentionally ambiguous. The title is ambiguous because on one hand, time to repent could mean it is time to repent, which is uh, one way that we could summarize the message of the Apostle Peter in our text for this evening. It's time to repent. Now is the time to repent. And this is true no matter who you are and uh, where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you already are a believer in Christ, then you, like all Christians, are to live a full life of repentance so that it's always time to repent. And if you have not yet entered into a saving relationship with Jesus, then now is the time. Now is the time because you don't know when death might come for you. Prepare to meet your Maker. As the saying goes, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. On the other hand, the title, Time to Repent, might also mean that there is time yet to repent, which is also true. I hesitate to say that it's true, because someone might take it as an excuse for putting off repentance and faith in Christ, because there is yet time. There's plenty of time to do it later, someone might decide, but it is true that there is time to repent. In fact, according to the teaching of Peter in this passage, that's why Jesus has not yet returned, because he is giving you time to repent. And yet that doesn't mean that anyone should put it off. There is time, but no one knows exactly how much time. And Peter makes it clear that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The coming of Christ will be unexpected and will catch all too many sinners off guard and ill-prepared for that last great day. What's interesting is that the word time has, in a sense, two distinct meanings, or at least two different nuances. On one hand, time can mean a specific time, even a moment in time, like when we say uh, it's time for dinner, or the time has come to rethink our plan. But on the other hand, time can mean a a span of time, a, a length of time, like how we talk about Israel's time in Egypt, or like their time in the wilderness. But the thing to see is that either way, these conceptions of time belong to us as finite, temporal human beings. Whether we are talking about a moment in time or a span of time, time itself is something that we are largely conscious of only because of sin, only because we are fallen creatures destined to die when our time comes. But not so with God. In 2 Peter 3.8, Peter writes that the day of the Lord will, uh, uh, or with the the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And as we pointed out last time, that's that's really even in a sense baby talk. Uh, It's a terrific understatement to say that the Lord is, that with the Lord, uh, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Because God is eternal. 
which is to say, he just is. From our perspective, our time-bound perspective, no, it's, it's not wrong to say that God has always been and always will be. But when God was speaking to Moses in the burning bush, he said, I am who I am. Say to this, the people of Israel, or say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And the declaration of God in Revelation chapter 1 is that he is the God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Well, such was the lesson to learn last time, if you recall, uh, as we camped out, uh, as it were, on 2 Peter 3, 8. But as we continue on, now this time we need to keep all this in mind, because the next thing that Peter does is to teach us about the patience of God. This is a first point to this sermon, the patience of God. In verse 9, Peter writes, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish. And right away, we need to remember what we said last time. We need to remember not to project our humanness onto God. The point is not to say that God is just itching to pour out judgment upon the earth. The point is not to say that God is tapping his fingers in heaven, watching the clock and shifting nervously in his seat. That's what patience looks like for you and me. As long as we're not screaming at people in traffic or rushing through a job just to get it done or losing our temper uh, at the family members or, or co-workers around us, well, then we count ourselves being patient. Surely this is not what we mean when we say and know that God is patient. In fact, in one respect, we might even say that to, to speak of, of the patience of God is uh, an anthropomorphism. Uh, to speak of God as patient is to speak of God in, in human terms. Just as the psalmist says of God in Psalm 89, you have a mighty arm, strong is your hand, high your right hand. So we speak of the patience of God. We know that God does not have an arm, He does not have a hand, uh, being a God who is spirit, and yet it is a great comfort to us to hear that the arm of the Lord saves His people. We know what that means, even though we know that God doesn't have a body like us. And just so, we, we know that God is eternal. And we know, as, as Acts 17, verse 31 says, He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed, even Christ, upon His return. So what does it mean that God is patient? It, it means that there is still time. It simply means that the appointed day has not yet come. And so it also means, ironically, that those who scoff at the promise of His coming are the very ones who ought to be thankful that He has not yet come. Because there is still time for them to repent. It's not part of our text, but uh, as we treat this last chapter um, of Second Peter somewhat thematically, uh, we can note that Peter again mentions the patience of God in verse 15. 
He writes, be, dil- be diligent to be found by him, that is, found by Christ upon his return. Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. So that's what we mean by the, by the patience of God within the character of God, the, the, the character of, it, of an eternal God. His patience means salvation. His patience means that, so far at least, there is still time. Still time to repent. Still time to be saved by faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, we might even say that time itself was created by God for the sake of salvation. Uh, Think about it this way, that as we read in Genesis 3, in the Garden of Eden, Adam was told about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was told in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And you might recall that this was the evil one's bold face lie uh, told to Eve. Genesis 3 verse 4 says, But the servant said to the woman, You shall not surely die. A straight contradiction of what God had actually said. And yet what happened? When, uh, when Adam and Eve died, um, on the day, or, or I should say, did Adam and Eve die on the day that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? On one hand, yes, they, they most certainly did. Uh, in a spiritual sense, certainly, they died. And, and this is the basis for what we call the doctrine of, of total depravity. Man in sin is, is not disabled. Uh, he is instead dead, says Paul in Ephesians 2. And so sinners do not just need healing or assistance or any kind of stirring up inspiration of of what is already in them because there is nothing in them, certainly no life in them. So spiritually speaking, yes, Adam and Eve died on the very day that they ate of what was forbidden to them. On the other hand, physically speaking, they did not die Instead, God was patient with them. God did not demand from them and take from them their physical lives. He might have. He had given them due warning. But instead, God was patient with them. Uh, And and he gave them uh, the gift of time, we might even say. Uh, There is a sense in which time began on that day. Time began on that day insofar as time is the span of time between a person's birth and a person's death, because time is, is the opportunity within that life that they have, yet remaining in them. It's the opportunity for man to repent. We have a saying that uh, time is money, but what we ought to say is that time is patience from God. How we ought to understand it is that time is the opportunity given to sinners by God to repent. And so we come to a a second point in this sermon, the the call to repentance. Again, Peter writes in verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but but that all should should reach repentance. And, And in these words do we not hear the call of God to repent. And by saying that all should reach repentance, does it not fit with what we've been saying? Time is the opportunity for sinners to repent, that is to reach uh, in time the point of repentance. 
Uh, most other versions of the Bible say that all should come to repentance. And what do you need to come to any given point or destination? You need time. And like we said, someone might want to say, oh, well, that's good. I've, I've got time then. Uh, yes, there is time. Although it's not really your time, but God's. It's not really your time, except that God is patient and has given it to you. And the point is is not that anyone should take their time, as we say. The point, instead, is that we should sense. Oh, oh, let us sense the urgency of our need to repent. Now, let's be clear what we mean by repent. If it's that urgent and that important, then let us be clear what repentance is. What does it mean to repent? In the most literal sense, the word repent means to turn, even to turn back from the direction and the way we are going and to turn away from one thing and to turn toward another. There are actually two senses of repentance in Scripture. In one sense, the repentance to which we are called means to turn from unbelief and to turn toward God in faith. Our problem in sin is that we do not believe in God. Someone might believe in a God. They might believe in a God that they imagine for themselves. But we are not believing in that case in the, in the one true God and, uh, until we have repented of our unbelief and receive by faith the revelation that God has given of Himself in Jesus Christ. The knowledge that God gives in Christ and through His Word of Himself. Therefore, we do not truly believe in God, at least not in the sense of having true saving faith in God. We do not truly believe in God until we have believed in Jesus Christ. So this is uh, the sense of repentance that we uh, hear Peter using, for example, in Acts uh, 2.38 on the day of Pentecost. If you recognize the reference, uh, there was a a great response to the preaching of Peter so that the people were cut to the heart, we're told, and, uh, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized, said Peter. And and we might want to ask, uh, why did he say that? Uh, Why did he not speak of faith? Well, he actually did speak of faith. He was calling them to faith by calling them to repent, because here Peter is speaking of repentance in terms of turning away from unbelief and taking up faith in Jesus Christ. Remember that Peter had just told the story as if he needed to tell them. He was telling them their own story. He just told them the story about how uh, the very people to whom he was preaching, how they themselves had not received Jesus in faith, but had instead crucified him. He was pointing out their unbelief. And this is what cut them to the heart, the conviction that they had crucified their own Messiah. No wonder they said, brothers, what, what do we do now? 
Ever ask that question? It's a question of remorse and, and of dismay. What do we do now? And Peter's answer was, well, repent. Turn from your previous unbelief. To this point, you have not received Christ, but in, have instead rejected him, as we heard this morning. Instead, you have crucified him, but he has risen from the dead. So repent, and now instead, believe in him. Repent and believe in him as your Messiah. There is, of course, uh, another very important sense of repentance used in Scripture, and that's more just the idea of repenting of sin. Uh, That is, turning away from the path of sin and taking up obedience. We need to understand that, that within this sense, repentance is not enough. It's not enough just to turn from sin, basically, because we never really do it at least not for very long, and certainly not to the perfection of what we need. It's, it's not enough just to turn from sin. Someone might decide, well, uh, I'm really going to respond to the sermon this time. Uh, I'm going to straighten up and fly right. Uh, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and work extra hard at being a better person. Again, the problem is how long does that last? It's like our, our New Year's resolutions, right? If we ever even do it in the first place, how long does it last? How long before we are right back to the sin that just comes perfectly natural to us? And this is really one of the central messages of the entire Old Testament, the message that repentance will not save us. Do you remember in Joshua 24 how Israel responded to Joshua as as they were about to enter the, the promised land? Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Really? Far be it from you. And Joshua even told them straight out, uh, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and your sins. And the people responded again, no, no, but, but we will we'll do it. We will serve the Lord. And, and, and you know, give them an A for commitment. Give them an A for dedication, such determination all followed up by failure, bold rebellion, and apostasy in the years and generations that followed. Message of the Old Testament, right up through John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament prophets. Repentance will not save you. So please don't go away from this message just saying, I'm going to repent, I'm going to do better. If you will indeed do better, then you must repent, not just of your sin, but of your unbelief as well. Uh, If you will indeed do better, you must first admit that Jesus has not just done better, he has done the best. He has done it all. Surely you've made, as we mentioned, New Year's resolutions. Christ is not looking for your resolution. He's not looking for your rededication. He is instead calling you even to despair of yourself. It's always such a remarkable thing to to realize that 
the proper response to the law of God is not to roll up your sleeves, but to despair. To despair of yourself so that your hope and your confidence will be in Christ. That's the repentance that we are called to. A repentance in which we are broken. A repentance in which we turn from our pride and say, Lord, I want to, but I can't. I'm just like Israel of old. I'm just like the people who repented in the ministry of John the Baptist and yet later cried out, crucify him. I'm just like the disciples falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane so that Jesus knew by, their, by finding them three times asleep, Jesus knew beyond all doubt that the cross was before him. He must do for them what they could not do, what they would not do for themselves. And then, having come to Jesus with this kind of repentance, then understand that we must live daily in this repentance. Remember that the title of this sermon is Time to Repent. And remember that 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 means it's time to repent. And remember that that applies to those who have not yet repented at all, to those just coming to faith in Christ. And it applies to those who have already repented, which means that tomorrow is going to be time to repent. And the next day after that, it's going to be time to repent. Each and every day we are called to live a life of repentance which means that we must get up every morning saying, Lord, here I am again at the start of a new day. I love you and I want to live for you, but I know I can't and I know I won't unless you keep me. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart incline to the deeds of wicked men, let me not eat of their delicacies. The Heidelberg Catechism puts it this way in uh, question and answer 116, why do Christians need to pray? Because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking Him for them. And in the next question and answer, or in in another question and answer in 127, it says, what does it mean to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one? And the answer is by ourselves. We we are too weak and uh, we are too weak to hold our own for even a moment. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit. Well, finally, then, the day of the Lord. We, we are called to repentance now because of the coming of the day of the Lord. Peter writes now in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. No underlining or bold print or italics in the, in the Greek, but I think that's clearly the emphasis. The day of the Lord will come. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The Lord willing, uh, we'll look next time at uh, Peter's description of that last great day. Uh, There's obviously much to be discerned in the things that Peter foretells of that day. For now, the point is simply to see that the day is coming. 
Uh, we already heard what what Paul preaches in uh, Acts seventeen thirty one that that God has fixed a day on which He will He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And so the teaching of God's word is clear, whether from Peter or from Paul, yet by the Holy Spirit, we know that the patience of the Lord will not continue forever because there is a point, you see, when patience, and this is, I think, how we can see more that this is something of an anthropomorphism. There is a point when patience is no longer a virtue. When is patience no longer a virtue? When it continues at the expense of justice. People are all the time trying to negate the justice of God by pitting one of his attributes against another. And so they say, well, God's not going to judge sin because he's a God of love. Justice and love pitted against each other. Uh, God will not judge sin because he's a good God. Goodness pitted against uh, the justice of God. In the, and in the same way, or at least a similar way, we, we might think that because of the patience of God, His judgment will never come. But there comes a point at which patience is no longer a good thing. And there will come a day when the patience of God will end and the judgment of God will come. Again, the question is, are we ready? Peter says the day will come like a thief. That's quite alarming because it almost seems to put Christ in the category of a thief. But what's important to say is it doesn't say Christ is coming like a thief. It says that the day of his coming will come uh, like a thief. And the point is to see that it it will be unexpected. If you know a thief is is going to come and, and steal from you, well, that's easy. You just you just wait. You, he's got an appointment with you. He's coming to your house to steal. It's easy. You, you you set your alarm. You get up five minutes before he comes, and and you uh, you wait for him. You you turn on you turn on all the lights, and you chase him away. The problem is that you don't know when a thief is coming. In the same way, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And Peter is not taking this liberty upon himself. He's actually just repeating what he himself heard Jesus say. Recorded in Matthew 24, Jesus said, But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect him. The point of being told that the day of the Lord will come like a thief is to call us and and, and even to urge us to be ready. And I ask, are you ready? Yes, God is patient. He has given you time. To this point in your life, at least, he He is giving you time. But make no mistake, the time will come. A moment in time will arrive. And the day of the Lord will come. The call is to repent. The definition of repent is to turn from unbelief, lay hold of Christ, believe in Him, claim Him, take Him, receive Him as your Savior. Even as you turn from 
sin in your life and continue to repent throughout all of your life. And doing so out of gratitude, doing so out of joy. Not so that by your repentance you will be saved, but that you have been saved even unto repentance. Here's the good news of Jesus Christ, along with the warning of a coming day of judgment. Christ is the Savior, and we can look to Him in faith and know that even by the simplest of faith in Jesus Christ, we have salvation, and we can rejoice in Him each and every day. Amen. Let's, uh, let's finish with prayer. Your word is clear, O God. A warning of a coming day of judgment. The call, the urgent call to repent. The definition of repent, to turn from unbelief, to believe in Christ as well as to turn from sin and live a life of striving after obedience. Whether before or after we come to Christ, we know that our repentance cannot save us. Our turning from sin will not save us. It is Christ who has obeyed perfectly. And we do pray that everyone here, everyone who ever hears this message will will. Uh, turn from unbelief, put their faith in Christ, take up a life of repentance, and rejoice, even looking forward to now, that great day. As we continue in this uh, part of your word, O Lord, we pray that in coming weeks we might continue to understand this coming day and uh, what will happen and uh, what there will be for us as believers saved by faith. In Jesus Christ, in his name we pray, amen.